We here at the Making Spaces podcast believe that politics are important, that they matter, and that you should care about it too. Even though this is a presidential election, there are many more candidates on the ballot besides the president. Yes, those other names mean something, and they do jobs that mean something. So go to Ballot Ready for a nonpartisan guide to your entire ballot. From there, you can compare candidates based on stances on issues, biography, or endorsements, and then save your choices to use when you vote by mail or in the voting booth. You can even request your absentee ballot or make a plan to vote early or on election day. This election matters, so make sure you have a plan to vote and to vote informed. I mean, we know that this year has been crazy. The U.S. Postal Service is under attack. We all feel a certain type of way about it. So make your vote matter. Make it count. Make sure it gets there on time by going to BallotReady.org and entering your address to make a plan to vote and to vote informed. Be informed. Space makers, if you're like me, you like to have an accessory that stands out. So for me, I like a big, bold earring. And that's why I love the work of my co-host. She has an incredible handmade jewelry line made from recycled and repurposed leather. We are all about repurposing, friends. Her work you can find on Instagram at the J shop.thej. J, just the letter J. You can also find her work at etsy.com slash shop slash shop the J. And when you check out, use code MAKINGSPACEPOD for 15% off your purchase. I'm telling you, these are my favorite earrings and they're such a statement piece and people will be definitely making space for you in these. Hey, hi. You're in Hello. your jammies. I'm in my jam, my new jammies from Target. They're very cute. I just finished a workout, so I look super good. I get more and more grateful that we don't record um, the vi- uh, video for YouTube. For the intro, for yeah. For intros. Because I just, I look not so great. Um, hey, welcome to the Making Spaces podcast, a podcast about making space for your pajamas from Target or your shirt that you just worked out in and maybe you haven't had a shower in a couple of days. You know, mm-hmm. make space for your own smell. I don't Amen. smell great. I'm so grateful that you're not coming into the office today because this girl does not smell like for public consumption at all. <laughs> There's a candle going in my home. Um, I don't always smell. Okay, this is a really weird intro. Anyway, welcome to the show. It's so good. Today is the election, guys. We uh, The results, we don't, we're recording this the day before the election, but this will come out on the day of the election. How are we feeling? Um, I'm going to go ahead and record my two responses. Um, say Mr. Donald Trump wins. I would say, boo, that guy sucks. <laughs> okay. And then if Biden Harris win, I'm going to say, thank God. <laughs> oh, God. Thank God. <laughs> and just in case this is the first time you're listening to the show, I'm Sarah Heath, and this is Josie Jimenez. And uh, we are um, so excited that you decided to use your ears to listen to this. Um, hopefully the country's still around. I mean, there's all kinds of weird predictions. Um, a wall is being currently built around the um, White House. So An that even feels, bigger wall. There's feels already real one. Good. Feels <laughs> real good, guys. Feeling really safe. Um, yeah, there's a lot of uh, Trump parades happening. Makes me a little bit nervous uh, as a non-Trump supporter. Um, I mean, you know, they're brave things- enough to try to take on a, a bus. So I mean, I mean, so there along those lines, there's just a lot of anxiety, I think, for people right now. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. People talk about protests either way. And I'm like, well, one side has guns. So, <laughs> I mean, you guys are American. So both sides have guns, I think, probably. As a Canadian, that was like my biggest fear is that every American I ever met would like have a gun with them, be ready to use them. Um, and like all of my Canadian friends were like, you know, they take them to high school. And so I literally like my first day of high school when I moved to the States, I thought, well, everyone's going to have a gun rack. And my high school boyfriend did have a gun rack with zero guns in it. Wait, maybe he didn't have a gun rack. I can't remember, but he did drive a truck. Yeah, I'm from sunny California, the liberal haven of the U.S., so I don't know what the South is like, Sarah. I don't know if the high schoolers took guns to high school. 
I mean, I don't think they did. Uh, I mean, you're from LA. So there are other people like stupid, um, like things that people believe about LA people having guns. Did you ever see, you're too young, but there was a movie called LA Story and everyone, they said it was open season on um, like road rage. So everyone had their guns with them. Yeah, that wasn't real. <laughs> well, either is everybody having a gun in the South. Most yeah, people yeah. have a gun in the South. That's fine. Um, I need to, uh, you were at a wedding yesterday, so you weren't at our worship service. So I need to confess to you that I worked really hard on pronouncing your cousin's name, but I had just read all the liturgy that had the word Jesus in it. So I first said Jesus, then said Jesus, and I was so upset. Both ways are fine. They're the same. Uh, I was like, Jose de Jesus de Jesus. I was nah. so upset. <laughs> yeah. And then I like stumbled over the last name because I'm like, ah, because I just messed up. Ah. I'm sure he feels honored either way. Just so you know, my biggest like, like, not that I would ever be a school principal, but my biggest fear would be reading people's names at graduation. Like that's oh, yeah. literally my biggest fear. I hate pe- messing up people's names because I know ma- names are so important for people. Yeah, no, I agree. It's... um. It was always funny in college at the graduations. You had to write down your um, name phonetically if you wanted it pronounced correctly. Yeah. Which is um, hilarious. Well, and we have a candidate that people have a really tough time saying her name. Um, Kamala Harris. Kamala. Mm -hmm. Um, All right. So I'm excited today, though. It might be election season. You might be feeling some tension and not it might be, it is election season, but we were super, I don't know, I would guess to say blessed um, to be able to speak to uh, Scott Erickson, who is a dear friend of mine. So it was really fun for me um, to have him on. And Scott, um, oh wow, he's done so much stuff, but he's known mostly for his visual art. Uh, but he also has this great thing called uh, Say Yes, which is a liturgy of not giving up on yourself. It's like this multi-century experience. Have you seen it? No, I haven't. It's amazing. So it's like, kind of understanding like that wherever you are is maybe an opportunity for you to see something as a sacred doorway instead of a like a really difficult ending so it's sort of this how do you give up on what you feel like is giving up on your dreams could be actually stepping through a different door so not only is he a visual artist he's also the person who does that I guess creator and performer and also a trained spiritual director but not only did we get Scott in this episode we got the rock star Jones Mm -hmm. Jonesy who in the back was just working it watching frozen the cutest thing in the whole world yeah and if you get a chance watch it on youtube because it's even better um i think visually so and we actually talk about advent um and the season of and i thought maybe this is too early to release this episode except that i heard christmas music on friday yeah i'm fully prepared to put up my christmas tree for some added joy in my life and i hate christmas so that's where i'm at (laughs) We actually talk a little bit about Josie's hate for Christmas and maybe why some of us experience that Advent malaise. Um, And his idea is what does it look like right now to like not try to solve for the mystery of Christmas, but also like invite people into it. Um, So I'm excited for people to hear this episode. Anything you want to say about it before we just jump right into it? Um, No, I loved it. That's what I want to say. Apologies for my Grinchness. Also, I just want to say the noise that you're hearing is because Josie's holding a dog and Josie doesn't have a dog. What dog is that? This is my friend's dog. He uh, was whining, so he wanted to be held. So I picked him up. Josie does have a heart. And that's how the Grinch's heart grew to 10 times as big. I know. With the poops. Little poopies. With the poops. Poopy dogs. All right, friends. Enjoy this episode. Make sure to listen at the end. And as always, please subscribe and rate us. It is super helpful for us. And we'll be sharing some of those on our next episode. And hopefully America's still here. We'll see you on the other side. Wonder is just that moment when the narrative stop and you're just present and you're like, what's happening? Oh my gosh, this is amazing. And familiarity is a very helpful tool. It's like taking new things and then putting them in their right category, but it can slowly kill the wonder because then there are these inner assumptions that are like, I already know what this is. I already have figured all this out. There's nothing new for me to see here. 
And so, yeah, like I think one of the practices, at least for me, mentally and spiritually is to constantly try to like unknow during the day and go, what don't I know about this? What don't I know about what's happening right now? And that helps me get to that wonder filter that I want to see life through. Welcome to the Making Spaces podcast, a podcast about making space both literally and figuratively for people. I am Sarah Heath, and this is my incredible co-host, Josie Jimenez. Oh, Jimenez. I don't want people to find me on the internet. I don't want people to stalk me. So such a lie. You are totally fine with people finding you on the internet because you have some opinions you want to share. You're right. Go find me. (laughs) Yeah. So I am so excited because today's guest is one of my best friends and favorite humans in the whole wide world, um, Scott Erickson, who is not just uh, an incredible visual artist. I'm a little embarrassed, Scott, because I realize all, your artwork is like directly behind me. That's great. Also, one is in front of me. This, my goals are coming true. This is wonderful. Yeah. Also, he has written, have you written three books or is there more? Do I only have three and you have more? There's only three. I have a okay. fourth one coming out next year, but yeah. Okay. So, and uh, incredibly, the first two were written along with Justin McRoberts. And this next one is actually what we're studying for as a church for Advent called Honest Advent. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. But Scott isn't just a space maker for people as far as visually. He's also done some um, incredible, I would say, it's when I try to describe what you do when you do a live show, when it's not a show, when it's more like, imagine spoken word meets stand-up comedy meets <laughs> a monologue meets uh i don't even know what else to call it it's just an incredible evening of and so far everyone i've invited has come and loved it so he does uh oh, talks good. about yeah just being inspired and so does inspirational stuff so ladies and gentlemen scott erickson thank you yes. <laughs> to, the, to the large crowd All right. So the first question we ask everyone is, what is one of your favorite spaces and why? Oh, wow. What is one of my favorite spaces? Is that usually the reply where people are like, whoa, yeah, let me think about that. Um, Uh, Unless you're Mike McCarg and then you just look into the screen and go, the silence in between uh, moments and conversation during active listening. (laughs) 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 And I was like... Oh, okay. <laughs> I went. I mean, I immediately went to architecture, but I guess we could. Yes, most. We, I guess we could. Dave Matthews it. Um, yeah. Well, I love architecture. I think architecture. You know, when it's doing what it needs to do, it's it's inspiring us and lifting our souls up. So, I. Um, I mean, one of my favorite spaces that I've been thinking about recently has been, was the Strasbourg Cathedral in Strasbourg, France. I lived by it for nine months, like three blocks away. And so I went there every single day. And that practice like really formed me, that space. Um, and I've thought about it a lot since I've been on a lot of podcasts of late talking about my art career. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, that space. Because it was the first time I had witnessed um, an entire you know, a building that was speaking in a visual language. It wasn't using words. And so it was telling this like grand story, the sacred story that we find in the Holy scriptures through images, through uh, stained glass and sculpture and layout and all that stuff. And so, so yeah. I love that your son is just walking around. That's totally fine. We are incredibly <laughs> okay, good. professional. If, if you anything, hear pe- my dog periodic, is eating. <laughs> that good. periodic banging in the back is Jones uh, hitting the table while watching Frozen. So yes, he's a big uh, Frozen fan. All about that ooh. Olaf. I know. He's all about that beat. If I Jones is one of my favorite dancing humans. Yeah, he's he's got a, he's got some moves. <laughs> yeah. I like that you can identify one of the most um, profound places. That's incredible. Like to say, that's when I saw something that I maybe have never seen before. And that space to me marks a moment when, yeah, I was seeing that for the first time. And it was, it's kind of the thing that sort of inspired your career. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, 
I think it's just been because of a lot of reflection on that. And also like I came back to of that being a void in my life. So mm -hmm. I had this like, and you know, those, <laughs> those cathedrals are tourist attractions and they have like a small, uh, maybe a small mass. And then on Christmas Eve, they're like packed and Easter, you know, they're, they're the same kind of thing as we have in our sacred spaces. They just, it, and you know, I know there can be a lot of, different um, hypocrisies in building something that big. Like, I don't think we should build, you know, those buildings would cost like a billion dollars right now to build or something like that. But like, I do think it's, it's really fascinating being in a community where there is an intentional, like sacred space that kind of everything's hubbed around. And, um, and I feel like I, I, I guess I think about that role. I mean, I'm curious, you know, what your experience has been because you, it, your church in Costa Mesa is really beautiful. Um, if it's allowed for a place for people to come and be, if people will come and sit, I mean, you're kind of, you're kind of competing with the ocean, which is the ultimate secret. <laughs> so, like, that ocean is a bitch. I can't believe they would steal our aesthetic. <laughs> yeah. How you know, that church you, down ocean. the street, that ocean is always stealing our congregates. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the, that is the interesting thing is how many people said I never, before we kind of started doing the redevelopment stuff, they said, I'd never been in that building before, but I know it because yeah. you said something that, um, perhaps people, Josie herself has spent a lot of time in Europe as well. Communities were built around that building around the church. Yeah. Um, and that's not necessarily how they build communities anymore. Um, yeah. And so there is this like centeredness to the city um, that our church kind of provides. Now people, sometimes um, a building like that, even if it's beautiful, can become lost in the background mm -hmm. because, oh, that's just like, I turn right there all the time. It's like all the time yeah. people <laughs> tell me that, oh, I turn right by your church all the time because uh -huh. there's like the m busiest intersection in all of Orange County is right in front of our church. Yep. And then turning right takes you down to Newport Beach, right? Correct. Going straight, <laughs> isn't it? There you it? go. Oh, straight. 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 Oh, I guess. Newport Beach. To the right is Santa Maybe if you're, coming, if you're coming off the freeway, then you turn right. Yep. Yep. There we go. Yeah, Look at me like, nerding out with directions. All right. It's ah! like we're on an episode of the Californians. You get off the 101 and then you get out. <laughs> Josie's only laughing because she, uh, she is only like Orange County for her is like her being in captivity she's a los angelinan yes oh. i'm a la native and being in orange county is uh is difficult she loves difficult. her partner <laughs> she loves him very much right right he works here um now i work here so i don't really have any other excuse and i kind of like my job so that's yeah. her boss but <laughs> mm -hmm. we we just pick up on that deep sense of dread and sadness that you were just emoting there just like congratulations oh. on the dodgers though yay, yay. Sports. that's great Ooh, i'm very anti-sports sorry about okay it. Uh, never mind i'm the one who would watch those <laughs> she's not a sports person um when you think about space and sort of that feeling of sacredness i think there's also this fascinating reality that church used to be a place where people were experiencing art um mm when they weren't experiencing it at other places. So like a common person, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I think we've lost that in some ways, but people are still so desperate for it. So one of the things we've done before is during Lent, actually almost every year, have put out some of your artwork for people to walk around. And it has been incredible how many people have been like, whoa, like just walking down the street, um, people mm -hmm. experiencing homelessness, will go through the stations of the cross and be profoundly moved because they aren't seeing art in their day-to-day. -day. Now, Costa Mesa does a pretty good job of lots of murals and things like that, but I'm wondering, even if we talk about sacred spaces, how many sacred spaces are kind of blank canvases and not so great a ways? So like the box church, you know, that everyone, all the Methodists were like, we should all sell our really beautiful buildings with stained glass and <laughs> yeah. have just drywall because that's really inspiring people right now. We should all do yeah. that. We want warehouses, um, that's what we want. Right. Um, well, and uh, this will be this. This is what's going to make make me millions. This quote, but uh, it's because we we used to make buildings as a teacher, and now we make buildings for a teacher. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the, uh, the focus has shifted. Whereas like a building in an illiterate culture for most of, you know, for most of the early church, uh, the building, like you said, was a hub for the community. And also it became a, it was like a, it itself was a teacher. It was didactic in its sculptures, in its layout. You know, uh, if you're familiar with European cathedrals, a lot of them have, you know, their first, like those three doors or these like three theological, like uh, teachings that are going on. The saints are up there, also patrons and people who paid for it. But like, yeah, there's this, there's this symbolize this whole thing. And so, but probably like David Byrne in his book, How Music Works, he has a really great essay right at the beginning where he describes like how technology, where he, he says, music is made uh, with the playing of it in mind. And so when a musician is making a songs, they're thinking about where they're going to sing it. And then he said, and he talks about like how venues started to change with the creation of the microphone. And then like, and then how like songs change because of the creation of the sound system. But I think also like sacred spaces change because of that too. Um, they're, you know, with, uh, and also because of the reformation, but yeah, like there became more of a focal point. Now our, now if they're going to build a space, it's like a, a room filled with sound panels and a lighting system because the teacher is the individuals who will get on the microphone. We thought less of like, oh. what could the space be at all time as a teacher that every now and then a human comes in and says something for 10 minutes as well, you know, or something like that. Ooh, right. That's an interesting thing too. If you think about the study of like worship uh, services, Mm-hmm. Uh, traditionally, and this is something I'm just making a connection to now, building people that have the buildings that are teachers, if you will, usually they have a homily or a message, which is short. So like my yeah. sermons um, mm-hmm. really shock people, especially when they come in from non-denom situations where I'm like, no, I'm going to talk at you for like 15 minutes and then we're going to do things together yeah. that are the in the embodiment of the lesson. And in fact, the sermon isn't even the center of the worship. Yeah, yeah. Which, that's confusing for people. It is, but it's refreshing once you get into it. <laughs> I agree. Who wants to sit through a 50 minutes? You can't remember anything from that. Like when I lived in Seattle and the uh, the Mars Hill Mark Driscoll thing was a phenom, people, people who went to that church would be like, you just got to come and listen to him. And I'd be like, well, what did he say last week? He's like, ah it just was so good. You just gotta, you just gotta go and listen. And I realized like, it's cause they can't retain, <laughs> they can't retain 55 minutes of content. And they, they don't remember. I'm just like, I just liked him on stage. Anyways, that's a side note. Uh, we're talking they'll about. Remember, they'll remember the building though. They'll rem- they did. I will give it to Mars Hill. They had a great aesthetic. I liked did it. Did they really? They did. They were one of the first churches that I really appreciated. Cause I think they were just, Oh, uh, who cares? They were just like, fuck this. We can like design our church however we want. <laughs> so they were like, yeah, it was all dark. I mean, it make, made sense in the Northwest, but it was all dark and moody, you know, like. <laughs> it makes sense in the Northwest. It makes sense in the Northwest, like in a place that rains every day. You know, it was like dark and moody, good lighting. It was coffee. They would have a DJ on stage, just like as people come in, there was just somebody like DJing, like really chill vibes and stuff. And I was just like, because everybody was like, hell yeah, this is what. This is, this feels like where I want to hang out. It's just like, you know, like when you go, go to a restaurant, it is the food, but it's also the vibe. And I'm not like, I think, I think what, uh, what had been lost in the tradition is just like, well, this is where we come and this is what we do. It's, it's like every makeover show, every makeover show is like, you don't have to settle for this. You just put a little bit into it and it can be so much better. And that, and they, from the get go are like, let's just, put some good into it. Let's just, let's make the place that we want to hang out. That makes sense to us who are those of us coming from bars and lounges and stuff like that. So I think it, they were successful in that, but then they like gave it over to a tyrant. So, you know, that there's that whole thing, but (laughs) that church sounds like my worst nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) Josie, I'm really surprised being you. you. Do you know who Mark Driscoll is or are you too young? I'm probably too young. Um, Josie, Oh, Scott, we that old. Um, Who is he, that? You should look him up. You would love Mark Driscoll. Um, he oh, yeah. was a, he believed that men should be men um, and did a lot of uh, reparenting guys who had experienced uh, 
usually it was like severed relationship and uh, with their fathers and things like that. Really, it was a lot of like, you can reclaim your ability to be a man. Would you mm-hmm. say that's fair, Scott? Yeah. And so it's like, and, and it was it's a like lot a man, of young. It was a manly man. Yeah. It was like Jesus. Jesus isn't a pansy. Jesus is a tough guy, probably with abs and stuff like that. And it was, yeah. and, and Mark, here's the thing. I can't believe we were talking about Mark Driscoll. Here's the thing is like, Lee, communities will are in are influenced by the personality of a leader not just like what they say but just how they like choose to be in the world right. so like if a per if the leader is like fun and like makes jokes and it's fun and stuff <laughs> the community kind of has a lighthearted feel to it but when the leader is very intense and angry serious and then there's like there's intensity to it you know where people would be like the gospel's offensive God, you know, and you're like, is, is it? Because I don't think a lot of people thought Jesus was an asshole, except for those who killed him. But, uh, you know, like, there's this kind of, <laughs> it was interesting to just see, like, because I would travel at the time and people would be like, oh, I listened to Mark on podcasts. And I'd be, and I'd be like, yeah, you know what's different about actually go, <laughs> Jones, come on, Mehdi. <laughs> He's a drummer, dude. He's vibing. <laughs> just look at that. This Ben and Pat. Oh, I love that child. I have not seen him Actually, in way too long. Jones is just behind me, spinning around in circles, watching Inside Out, just tapping on the coffee table. Uh, hey, Jones, go. Let's go over here. Go over there. Do something else. Anyways, uh, anyways, what got picked up from him from a lot of men was this kind of aggressiveness. Uh, I mean, it's all over, so I don't mind gossiping. But like, I knew a friend. My friend uh, Ryan was pastor of this small church, but on his board was like a woman who was a, psych- a psychologist, and she was telling. He told me that she told him that she was like, uh, "I'm having a lot of marital abuse cases yep. coming into uh, my counsel, and, and they they all go to Mars Hill because what you've been." Because Mark has been setting up this, like, this is what a man is like. This is what a man takes the lead, all this stuff. And then, like, say somebody loses their job. Uh, they feel like they're not very much a man. Their leader that they've been looking to kind of embodies kind of this aggressive anger. Yeah, it just led to a lot of, like, interesting collateral. Yeah, Mark and I would not be friends. No. <laughs> no. Well, Jesse, I, I was mind. laughing. I was laughing say. when he said the F word. I was like, oh, he has not heard Josie. Oh, <laughs> That's her favorite word. Little potty mouth Josie. <laughs> okay. I just never know, like on certain podcasts, I'm always like, I can keep the swears away, but I feel, I felt like we You're were fine. like, probably, probably you know, it. you needed it. Um, yeah. I think that's interesting because the aesthetics of the building was almost a bait and switch. So yeah, yeah. When we, totally when we talk was- about, um, Oftentimes, like Josie and I, the folks who are part of our community will say, well, I went to that church because I really like the music or I really like the art that was happening. Yeah. But then that wasn't, uh, it wasn't what was happening throughout the community experience. Yeah. Hmm. I, I, yeah. Why was that a setup for like a slam dunk? No, no. I, I mean, I. I am I am a big fan of like paying attention to like what the building looks like. What does it feel like having art, having having a, a story that you're walking into? But but yeah, if you're destructive in like what you're communicating and how you are, then yeah, it can be a bait and switch for sure. So interesting because I feel like this is a um, uniquely American conversation. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, or maybe it's just not. I'm Mexican, so maybe it's not Mexican, but um, it's just funny listening because I'm as an artist, I love aesthetics and I love art, um, but it was never important for me in my worship experience. Um, my our churches were always in the hood; they were never cute until recently. My parents started going to this mega church; it's all about its lights and stuff. But even still, it's not like the prettiest church. There's not art everywhere. In Mexico, you have your old cathedrals or little churches, parishes, but none of them are very well kept or even the nice ones are kind of dilapidated. And it's just, I just think it's funny. Like this American (laughs) ideal. (laughs) It's true. We've we've maybe been ruined by HGTV as well. Uh, But yeah. Although if they want to give me a show, I'm totally for it. Yeah, like this is really a setup for that. I do think, what do you think about this, uh, you two, that 
uh, the, talking about the bait and switch is that uh, often the churches that are, uh, for lack of a better term, hipper, you know, have some aesthetics and things like that. There's an assumption that they would be uh, along the lines of open and affirming, uh, oh, really yeah. pro women and stuff like that. And that's where the bait and switch is, where somebody can mm-hmm. be progressive in their aesthetics and yet very like, uh, hadn't got the software update on the other topics and things that needed to Well, and vice versa. So one of the things, mm-hmm. I mean, I spent a lot of time. Mm-hmm. That's interesting too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Talking at events and speaking to, I just did a, 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 virtual event for folks in Massachusetts, a bunch of UCC pastors, some of the coolest people. But I would say in general, younger folks are not going to walk into their churches because their churches look like the story has been told. Um, And it's not actually, the interesting thing is, uh, I think so many people come into our church and love the old look of it. Um, But it needed to have something on the outside that said the story is not done. Yeah, Um, yeah. And they need to be invited into the like more formal spaces because what's happening is often like what's happening in Europe where you just nailed it, right? This church has become a museum. Yeah. Yeah. Which is. I've seen some skate parks put into churches too, which is kind of cool. Ooh, not a bad idea. I love pubs in churches. Um, I love taking the sacred and really pointing out that there is no sacred. There is no secular. It's all Mm -hmm. potentially intertwined and. Um, we can do that with our aesthetics. Um, but I find it fascinating that so many people are, I don't know, they're moved by a building and they can tell you, so nobody ever can't think of a favorite space. Mm. We've yet to have anyone go, Oh, I don't know. I don't like anywhere, you know, or I have never thought, you know, well, we make, I mean, we as human beings like, make spaces. Like, I, I mean, so it were, and our history and our personality, well, Maybe not our personalities. Like the the story of our lives are formed by spaces, uh, because like that camp that you went to, and when you made all those friends in the ca- in the lunch hall, the cafeteria, it might not have been great, but that was still a space to house that those relationships. You know, like sitting. It's so it's like it, it's like the real um, the depth of living. Uh, not that it doesn't happen out in nature, but also, but but it often for us happens in like spaces we've created to gather and meet and connect and stuff like that. So the, then it's I think it's just what inter it's woven into like the experiences. Like there's this space um, that goes with it. I love that. <laughs> so turkey. and along those lines of like familiarity, sometimes in your latest book that I, I really do adore it. I don't just say it cause we're friends, but you have a section where you say that f- sometimes familiarity gets rid of wonder. Yeah. Familiarity kills wonder. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Cause, uh, wonder is, um, wonder is the experience of being alive. And what I say is like, you're, we have, we're always making narratives about things. We're always, uh, just as human beings, we're going, where does this go? What's, where does, where do I place this and cat, what category and stuff? Um, I heard this comedian recently saying his name's Kyle Kanan. He said, uh, wonder is just the universe letting you know that it can surprise you every now and then. Mm. <laughs> and I think that's a great line. Uh, wonder is just that moment when the narrative stop and you're just like, what, and you're just present and you're like, what's happening? Oh my gosh, this is amazing. Right. And, uh, familiarity is a very helpful tool. It's like taking new things and then putting them in their right category and stuff like that. But it can slowly kill the wonder because you go, I, because then there are these inner assumptions that are like, I already know what this is. I already know where this is supposed to go. I already have figured all this out. There's nothing new for me to see here. And so, um, yeah, like I think one of the practices, at least for me, mentally and spiritually is to constantly try to like unknow during the day and go, what don't I know about this? What don't I know about what's happening right now? And that helps me get to that wonder filter that I want to see life through. But um, I think specifically with Christmas, which has a massive like juggernaut of a brand. Uh, year <laughs> after year, um, I just, I think a lot of us who have grown up with it still love it. I really do love it, but have found parts of it just really bland and just like, like what, what is there to, what else is there to say, you know? And that, uh, and that was a bit of my muse going into this was like, 
well, did we say everything or did we miss some things because we just kept building on assumptions instead of, so what I needed to do as a visual artist was just like not try to move within that juggernaut of a brand, but just totally bypass it. Just like step outside of it and go, I'm not going to make all my imagery is like, it doesn't look anything like Christmas, maybe like a star here and there, but like (laughs) I just tried to make something that didn't look like Christmas at all because I was like trying to see this incarnational story outside of this like, consumeristic or even religious tradition brand that has that we've all experienced if you live in western culture even if you're not a a faith person like if you go to target it's fucking there you know like you can't (laughs) you can't escape it it's gonna it's gonna happen in your society so we're all kind of privy to it and that that was like my work was trying to like find that wonder again in the story i think that's the gift of art and the artist's eye um, mm-hmm. I love really uh, corny British TV uh, mm-hmm. serial shows. I don't laugh at me, Josie. You guys can't see your face because I'm talking, but it's very judgmental. So I like to watch like BBC. And so there's a show called um, Old Tricks yeah, or New Tricks. New Tricks. New Tricks. And, it, okay. and it is a bunch of old retired guys it's from the early 2000s who are um, Scotland Yard they're the worst guys in so many ways, but they're old, like, <laughs> and they're, they're female. They have a female boss who now they're asked to solve cold cases. And one of the um, characters oh. you're learning slowly is on the spectrum. He's very, okay. <laughs> and he can memorize anything, but he doesn't understand stuff. So he's like, what, what is with this naked woman art? Like he doesn't get it. But this girl brings in who has a female fraud. Uh, she does art fraud brings in this very modern picture and it has him stand in front of it. And it's like, it looks just like a weird window with like, and he's standing and he looks at it and he goes, I don't get it. What is it? I don't, she's like, it's not supposed to make, you're not supposed to see anything. You're supposed to feel something. And he keeps staring at it. And it is this moment of wonder where the actor, cause you know, like British shows, it's not necessarily dialogue. It's also like really nuanced looks. Yeah. And he gets tears in his eyes. And he goes, I feel despair. Hmm. And this is a, someone who like, and you just go for a minute, like, and then they move right along. Like it was a throwaway moment, <laughs> but it was wonder. Like but he said, I know what this is. This is weird art. It doesn't mean anything. I don't get it. And then to say, oh, this is despair. And I think what I love about this idea of looking at Advent differently as a pastor who thinks like, oh my gosh, I got to do something new. You don't have to do something new, but what you can do is sort of help people have a wonder experience so they hear something new. Because I can't reinvent the story. I can't be like, and then this year, Jesus, blah, blah, blah. You know, the story doesn't change, Yeah, but it does change. And I think the artist's eye, you can look at something, you know, I used to love in art classes, you would have the same model and Mm -hmm. 50 different iterations of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it reminds me, um, like, when you, because th- there's a way that we know how to talk about it, but I think also, I think there's a bit of going, like, do you really know what's happening? Like, uh, I, our buddy, Science Mike, wrote a nice uh, endorsement, and he just said, like, Scott's not trying to solve wonder, or the mystery, he's just trying to invite you into it. and mm-hmm. um, And I think, like, if you've ever had a chance to witness a birth, I don't know if you, you all have, but uh, like I could tell you, describe to you, you know, biologically what's happening. And yet there's this whole other side of a birth where there's some, it's almost like when the baby comes out, there's this like, like a snap, like a, like a move from one dimension to another. Um, yeah, buddy, I see you. And it is... Jones is like, and I came out. <laughs> you see, Jones has some Mickey Mouse ears on and is uh, spinning around in a circle. What, buddy? <laughs> nice belt, bud. Yes. Talk oh about gosh. wonder. I love the belt. There we go. Yeah, and so, like, there is, like, 
you're able to describe, you can even just say with like a sunset, it's like, why do people gather for a sunset? It's just a star going below the horizon line and the light is refracting off the atmosphere to cause a spectrum that makes it different colors. But yet there's still like, but there's something else happening too. Something beautiful and meaningful and excavating. And so, and I think that's that, that kind of like, layered one that's that layeredness of life where it's like we can describe everything that's happening but then there's an aspect of it that we can't describe that's like confronting us and causing us to tear up and go oh okay i feel the depth of living right in this moment and so that like i think that's what i was trying to get to with this story or through the through honest advent was what hit me was just like God, the, the divine incarnated into our world, just like we do, which is through human vulnerability. And if we want to still find that same God involved with our lives, it's going to be through that same avenue of human vulnerability. We're going to have to look at all the places that we feel like we don't have it together, that we're weak, that, that, we're, uh, that are aspects of our life that we don't feel like we have a lot of agency or control over. Um, things in our relationships and stuff. And like that, because often like there can just be this like superiority of superiority, take two, superiority of religion, which just says like, we got it. We figured it out. We're on the right team, everybody. Get big hand. We're on the right team. Everybody else is on the wrong team. And it's just like this weird celebratory, like we got it. We figured it out. And it's all about strength and victory. And yet like, I don't know, the more I continue on this journey, like it's in humility and fragility and vulnerability that I find like that's where the magic really is. So mm. that's, that, that is a bit of like, yeah. Uh, and, and I think the visual and the words, the visuals help with the words because like I have some, I mean, they're, they're not objectifying, but they're not, they're not like scandalous, but they're very like, I think honest, which is an appropriate word for my book honest illustrations like I had of women being pregnant and giving birth and and I know they they're right because I have have had many women going this is maybe the first time I feel like I can see myself in this story because somebody depicted it in the way that's true to my experience which is which is interesting as a non as a person who can't birth out of their womb <laughs> <laughs> I think it's so um interesting the deconstruction of Advent and the holiday season because as a self-proclaimed Grinch, I hate Christmas. <laughs> I hate Christmas with all yeah, of my being. Um, <laughs> tell me uh, why. Tell me the, tell me the, the, the reasons for hating. This is why. And it goes back to wonder is I have zero wonder when it comes to Christmas. Yeah. My mother is, um, I think we both suffer from the same affliction, obsessive compulsive disorder, but she um, is also creative in that she likes to do a lot of interior design in her home, okay. which leads to 10 foot tall Christmas trees that she has to do herself and nobody's allowed to decorate the Christmas tree with her. Amazing. Um, yeah. And uh, some years my dad would buy us our own Christmas tree, all of us kids. And so we would decorate it haphazardly as kids do. And still she would go back and she would fix it. And she, it was just Ooh. weeks and weeks of stress and because yeah. she's a neat freak. So it was stressful situations of keeping everything clean while she's decorating and wreaths that take up a whole wall and yeah. garage is a mess and she's stressed and then she's mean. And so Christmas, I, everybody goes to these giant trees like at Rockefeller Center or whatever. And they're like, oh my gosh, this is beautiful. And all I see is oh my gosh, that looks like it's the most stressful thing to make. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and That's also, so like, having grown up in the church, Christmas is always this huge extravaganza and people would come, but nobody would stay, and so you're confused. And mm. it was also stressful, and people are like, oh yeah, I love, and then they go behind your back, and then they talk shit about you or whatever. Yeah. Um, it just always seems so dishonest to me like a very inauthentic celebration of somebody's birthday allegedly yeah i think that's really oh gosh 
just what you said, Josie, I literally have goosebumps just thinking about how do you have wonder when you know what to expect and what you expect is even if I try my best to make this tree look a way that will be accepted by you know, one of my primary caregivers, it's not going to be enough. And I think so many of us come to the holiday season with it's not going to be enough, mm-hmm. right? Um, people used to ask me, why do you hate Hallmark movies so much? And I've shifted. I can watch them too. I was a bit of a Grinch, but I finally explained it to my friends. Like, well, all of you are trying to have an experience. My job is to make you have that experience. And so Mm. I'm watching a Hallmark movie thinking, um, I don't have a family, but I'm creating spaces for people who have families. And it feels really nasty because at the end of the night, I just had this profound service because I, I, every year I am in wonder and awe with the the very simple thing of lighting candles mm. for whatever reason gets me every year. And I, I'm always at home drinking my white Russian by myself, celebrating the like however many services I've done. And it, it feels like, well, this isn't a Hallmark. Nobody's making this movie unless the guy who like delivers the package that someone forgot and then him and I end up together. But that's never been the case. One time we were <laughs> robbed. We were robbed the day before Christmas and a really uh. hot cop showed up. Yeah. And everyone, all the old ladies in my church were like, it's happening. And I was like, <laughs> this is not the Hallmark movie. Like, he's not. Um, oh, no. oh you forgot police. cranberries too? Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> yes. But I think we all feel yeah. not enough when we're not being honest. Yeah. Or yeah. when we're like, I- looking at something that's not honest. Why, you're, Josie, you're pointing out something too, which is just like all this expectation of like what this stuff is supposed to do for us. Like, you know, like why are we doing all these, like who told us to cut down trees and put shit on it? Like (laughs) that started happening when like Christians like started trying to take like pagan rituals and like Christianize them way back when. So like, yeah. And then there's this like, well, if I do all this and then this will happen. And I think what a lot of us have experienced is like, well, now I feel like we're just all stressed out by doing all the things we're supposed to do. What if we just like calm down and get, and just try to do the thing we want to do, which is connect and love each other and, and appreciate our weird lives, you know, like, yeah, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I I can't. And I know you probably think about this, Sarah. You, do you, Joseph, do you work at a church? Or do you work with Sarah? Is that? Yep. Okay, you're a professional Christian. You know, like if you've worked, if you've been Super a professional, profesh. yeah, if you've been a professional Christian long enough, like sometimes you come up to these big holidays and you're like, here, I got an idea. What if we did like, like really nothing this year? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, like when I would work at church, it was like Easter. And I was like, what if we like, what if Easter just felt like, the service that we like just a normal quiet (laughs) service with just like a lot more people but you know like we'll just do the same thing i never nobody ever bought into that there's all this like built-in thing to where to where where i started hating easter which is maybe this is our theme we started hating the holidays i just never it just became this like big overdone thing that just didn't feel like it had the payoff I'm just because, imagining like, them being like, he is risen and Scott yelling, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> no, my last year at this church in Houston, I worked at, I think we did two massive outdoor services and I was painting at them. And when the last service got done and then there was like this huge meal and there's like activities and stuff. And I just packed up my stuff and I just left. <laughs> it was so done. I was so done with it. Everyone's like, yeah, let's party together as a community. And I was like, I'm tired. And I'm going home. And then two weeks later, I had like a, a, a mental breakdown. So that was probably indicative, <laughs> a, a key sign of where I was at uh, <laughs> that I should have been paying attention to. But yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, there can be all this kind of like setup and feeling a bit of a disappointment that the setup didn't give me all the expect, expected Chris, Christmas tingles that I'm supposed to have. Yeah, yeah, and if we follow that narrative, like that's actually the story of Christmas in some ways. Like everyone was waiting for this thing and everyone had an idea of what this thing was going to be. And then it shows up if, if you you know follow the Judeo-Christian story is there's this Messiah coming and it's going to look like this and it's going to be like, I am here. And some people wanted the Mark Driscoll, like I am here and I 
crush all my enemies. And then it's like a baby that's like, can you hold me? Right? Like, (laughs) this is the Messiah. It's gross and pooping. Like, I don't know what to do with this thing. Yeah. Um, I wonder... Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 They preach from that revelation passage that has a dragon in it. And they're like, yeah, we talk about a dragon on Christmas. Um, I actually think it'll be really fascinating to see this year because yes. we're probably going to be in like the fifth wave of COVID and uh, whatever, you know, whatever wave. Uh, there's not going to be any like Black Friday lining up. People are going to be like, no, I, I don't. I got a mask on. I got to stay distant. You know, like. this kind of ridiculousness that's been just kind of compounding feels like it's been deflated a bit. We're going to have, you know, it'll be interesting to see on the other side of this election, what that's like. Um, You know, this episode will come out on election day on election day. So whether or not like the president stays in or we get a new president, um, I think, (laughs) Yeah, I, like we could bypass that for a second. I think they'll just be this kind of like that. That was such a that was a weird ride. I I don't know. I feel like <laughs> yes. Like oh, I mean, for me, I hope uh, I hope we get that orange man out. But he'll still be president for till January. But like you know, it'd be like kind of ding dong, the witch is dead. You know, kind of that thing. But who knows? It might erupt in civil war. Oh, shit, I don't want to talk about this stuff. I just feel like there'll be kind of this. Either way, there's going to be some kind of emotional letdown. We're still going to find ourselves in this like pandemic that apparently all these other countries have like beat, and we're still digging deep in it. Uh, you know, and like Christmas is going to be just like they're, you know, maybe like we're not going home this year. It's just too complicated. That's what I was just going to say. It's so many too people. complicated and it's too expensive to travel. And it's just like, let's just stay here. So there'll be this kind of like, I don't know. I think there'll be this kind of like reset or chance to just reset or go, hey, let's put all this that we used to do down and let's see what we can find instead. And I, I'm fascinated with that. And that's and the I wonder. Think- I think people cling. So like we had these huge outbreaks in July, July 4th. Mm-hmm. We had, you know, we've had all these outbreaks because people are refu- they're clinging to what has been. Yeah. They're like, they refuse to have the wonder of what could be. And I'm afraid some of the tradition, like what we're still going to do with Christmas Eve service in our parking lot, very far apart from each other with heaters. Yeah. And it's going to be beautiful and social distance and shorter than it's ever been. Um, <laughs> and yeah. I think it might be more profound. And more honest. And more honest. It's definitely forcing us to be honest. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I. And that that was where I wrote the book was just like, I guess kind of was like you, Jesse, you said like a birthday party. I mean, I write in the book, I said, is this a, is Christmas a memorial service or is it a birthday party? Um, Because a memorial service means it happened long ago and we just celebrate that it happened long ago. A birthday party means it's still going on today. And if you mm-hmm. ask any kid at a church, they're like, whose birthday is it? They'll be like, it's Jesus's birthday. So you're like, so it's still something that's happening today. Well, where's Jesus then? Like if, if it's still happening today, where is Jesus in our midst? And uh, I, 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 my meditation for 25 days is in these very like humble and vulnerable ways, like these simple things. And oh. that's maybe the thing of the year, right? Yeah, yeah. I think that message is something that I've seen lacking during COVID. Like, where's Jesus? Mm. Um, I went to DC this past weekend. And of course, the day I went into DC, they had to have the giant worship protest or whatever they're calling it. I'm standing there pissed off as all hell. Like, what the? And I, I was with my friends who are also believers and disillusioned with the evangelical church. Um, Not so much as I am, but anyways, they, I was like, I don't get it. Like, what do you, what do you want? What are you protesting? What do you want? You want to open your doors? You want to, to worship? Why can't you do that? Not in this building. And this is like the theme of the church during COVID, right? Is like, you want to worship in a building, but I thought Jesus was everywhere. I thought Jesus was. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. She's an eight. Anyway, keep going. (laughs) 
Nice. Yeah, did I take a picture in front of this crowd flipping them off? Yes, I did. Just yeah. like I did in the front of Dual the house, fingers, but... just so you know. Is this the, is this the same thing that like happened in Portland? Is I don't I'm it's, way it's out. It's like it's a countrywide tour situation. So there's like is this from Bethel or something or is this is Jesus this culture? Oh, Jesus. Okay, so they're touring, doing worship protests like mm-hmm. okay, yeah. And I'm also, of course, you hear the the senator come up to stage and say, like, and let's pray that Amy, what's her face, gets the seat on the Supreme Court. And it's like, yeah. OK, so it's not so it's not just about being able to go to church. Right. It's about you pushing yeah. your agenda. OK, yeah, great. I got exactly, it. Exactly. Exactly. That's not where Jesus is. <laughs> really interesting. This um I, I love listening to Trevor Noah because I mostly have a crush on him. Trevor Noah, if you ever listen to this, I think we'd be good together. I'm just saying. Um, but Trevor Noah is talking about how things that you do in the dark that you would do in the light normally, but you're doing it in the dark is problematic. So they did her um, celebration of becoming nominated at like midnight. And yeah. so he showed a video of himself <clears throat> digging a hole in the daylight and he's just digging a <laughs> hole and he's smiling. <laughs> they show him digging a hole at night <laughs> and, and he doesn't different. change his face. And you're like, this is different. One is honest and you can see everything. Yeah. And that's this idea. I think of even your book, I mean, to bring it back around is this idea of like, if you're doing it and hiding the like weird things or I, I personally, when I go into someone's home and their Christmas tree has that weird like ornament that their child made, my parents still put those up in our house, right? What does that say, right? My brother and I argue over who made the trash bag wreath. I claim it's him, he claims it's me. Then my parents are like, no, every year they tell us it's a different one. Um, My parents always put out these like really funny old things because it's not about that, it's about what that is it's about the story that surrounds it and it's about the yeah, space absolutely. that surrounds it. Absolutely. And there's honesty to it. There's light to it. Was I a great macaroni artist at six? No, but that meant something to them that I like presented it like it was a gift to them. Yeah. Um, and now people are like, oh, your daughter is 40. This is cool that this is the art she's making. But <laughs> I think, <laughs> yeah. why does it have to be this way? Again, it's clinging to the to the old in a way that's not, um, allowing it to adjust or change, right? Mm. Um, I think Josie is a theologian, whether she wants to admit it or not. Of like, I thought and Jesus uh, was in and all all things. So yeah. why does it? Why do you have to have really loud guitars and you know uh, emotionally manipulative lighting for mm-hmm. it to mean something to you? Like, why is that? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I I'm not on board with that, but I can. I think I can be empathetic to the conversation, which is like. I could see, well, you know, it's probably like, hey, we don't know what to do with our jobs anymore. So let's get out there and try to save them. And then there's maybe something like we want to encourage people and stuff. But I I think what's, yeah, just disheartening is like bypassing this whole other like part of our culture, which is like medical professionals and people going, this is the time that we need to like really care for each other by distancing and being safe. And, And it's just like, I don't know if they're probably doing social distance. They have to, but like enforcing certain things, but it it just seems like, um, I think I could see their perspective, which is like, well, God's kingdom will overcome this. And it's like, that is the perspective. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, but people still die. Yeah. It's this whole miracle culture. That's just like, well, we're going to like, um, we're going to just like not listen to, we're, we're not going to be in community with others. We're just going to bring our perspective on this and into a community and maybe affect it in a different way um, or in a negative way, which is, which is disheartening and, and feels very like not loving. I don't know, but I'm not in, I, I'm not in those conversations or wacko like that. So I, I can't, we're wacko like that. <laughs> but as like a spiritual director, you know, one of the things that I've been thinking a lot about, and I think certain churches are pivoting really well, which is they're like, Hey, for a season, find a small amount of people and do this with, and we'll help facilitate that. But I, I, I just, I think like, I go, Hey, well, what's the conversation you can only have by being here. And, and I think that for people who are used to, uh, and I would never say this about like, <laughs> I'm not saying this about your church or something, but I think you can understand the sentiment. People who are used to, uh, uh, 
like a, a weekly gathering that does a lot of the legwork for them, right. which is great. Like I, I love that too. I think what this kind of separation from that for a season is, is it, is it what can be a good fruit of that is going, do I actually trust the portal inside of me that connects with God? Do I actually know how to foster that avenue to connect with God? Or have I neglected that because I, I just really rely on teaching podcasts and these you know, services and things like that. Have I ever really like these disciplines of like silence and solitude? Do I ever do that in my crazy loud world? You know, and I, I think there are certain like disciplines or spiritual for, forming practices that we can like participate during this season that when we come back to gathering and stuff, we can bring the fruit of that to our gatherings. And I, and so f- for me, like that just, that stuff just kind of feels like you're bypassing what could possibly like be going on in you right now. Like don't bypass this season. I don't know if you saw my Instagram post, but it was about this this morning. It's like, don't bypass the season that's happening now because it could very well be the thing that's preparing you for the fruit in the next season and you're cutting yeah. it off too short and cutting your, your, um, you're curtailing the fruit that's trying to form for the next season. Yeah. Because you're trying to return to the thing that you think. Yeah. And, and, and you're not having wonder of what, what is happening. So if you're trying to constantly, um, it's, I guess, Josie, I'm thinking about your mom. She's trying to control the experience because she doesn't trust that what would happen organically is going to be something that's of value. And I think that's our potential when we talk about wonder and capturing that and like what could be being created. Um, mm. What do you think, Josie, as I think about your mom? <laughs> oh, my mother. Mm. Yeah, I definitely agree. I, I mean, there's no handmade ornaments anywhere on that tree, let me tell you. There's nothing cute. <laughs> oh, uh, and it was beautiful. And most people that would come into her home, it was full of wonder. They're like, oh my gosh, it's so cute. Meanwhile, I'm in the corner, just like hmm. Hmm. <laughs> uncomfortable in my own house because I couldn't yeah. touch anything. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think, yeah, it's just like a fear, right? I think she operates a lot in fear, um, fear of rejection, fear and not being seen as enough and um, fear of, wanting something but not I don't know she always had this huge American dream right because I mean my parents are immigrants and come from a dirt road village and so she wanted this huge hotel tree and she wanted Mm -hmm. the huge glass bulbs and she wanted the huge she wanted the image of what Christmas could be because she was afraid of going back to what it was Mm -hmm. whereas my dad on the opposite end was like I love Christmas and I love what it is and what it was um Hmm. yeah I don't know it's a I think that's where people are at right now is that they're afraid of their own relationships with the Lord and they're afraid that they're they're just afraid of God probably because of hell I don't know I think (laughs) (laughs) like fearful like I'm not going to church so I'm going to go to hell because I'm not stepping into a building you know it's a great it's a great strategy for attendance Mm -hmm. that hell Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm Well, I have really enjoyed this conversation because I think it all comes back to this idea of honesty. Um, you have been wonderful to talk to, Scott. I know we will ask you back on again, but we end the show by asking, are you ready? What is one tangible way that people, just like a tangible, easy way, can make space for themselves or others? Um, and I think as a spiritual director, oh, wow, I'm making this way more um, pressure on you. But No, I have an how answer. Do you think, okay, I'm ready. Go. How to make space for yourself. Uh, I think the one of the keys to your spiritual life is some solitude and some silence. And that it's not that hard to do. It just takes some like commitment to it. Uh, and I would just say like, uh, if you can, you know, like a morning time, that's great. But even just like, like the, the just invest in the sacred holiness found in a walk. Like I, if you can just find like 20 minutes to just like walk 30 minutes, just to like walk around your neighborhood or go somewhere, take a break from work, your lunch break, go on a walk and just use that time to like center, listen, maybe, you know, 
like sometimes we get tripped up in prayer because we think we have to tell God everything when Jesus in fact prefaces the whole thing, like your father in heaven already knows everything you need. So you can just simply go like, you already know, you already know what do you want to talk about and just give some time to that. And you will be surprised of how that doorway of hearing the voice of God, which is listening to the voice of love um, will start to grow and form and, and really uh, seep out into all aspects of your life. There you go. I love that. That was great. Once again, friends, thank you for joining us on the Making Spaces podcast, something that um, we have been having a lot of fun creating and making and making space for people and their artists and pastors and not spiritual people. It's just, we're all making space in some way. And so it's been fun to chat with you about that. Um, Josie, where can people find us? And then Scott, the question is, where can people find you? So let's start with Josie, where can people find us? You can find the podcast on Instagram at Making Spaces Podcast. Um, you can find Sarah on Instagram at Rev Sarah Heath. You can find me at Josie Takes the World because I'm arrogant. Um, yeah. You can also email us, I guess, Making Spaces Podcast at gmail.com if you're old school like that. Be great. Or you can leave us a voicemail on our anchor.fm slash Making Spaces. We love to hear where your favorite spaces are. Especially right now as we head into it's almost advent we've got some times coming up so where are your favorite spaces maybe you have a favorite holiday memory a favorite holiday space let us know scott where can people find you and your new book everything is available at honestadvent.com and uh i am on instagram the most as scott the painter all one word there'll be links to honest advent there as well honestadvent.com is where you can find all the good things i've made a lot of resources for communities to use the book and be able to have discussions and even some like sermons there's a whole art show that goes with it as well um so I'm just it's gonna I'm just be our to advent teeing everybody up to have a, a home run this year baseball i don't know why i need that analogy but it's- <laughs> i like it well thank you guys uh we will catch you next week where we will be saving a space for you oh she you just have to like point and she gets it <laughs> almost forgot it's fine <laughs> it's fine have a great week friends bye bye